0: Welcome to this episode of Beads Podcast, a weekly reflection on church history with Dr. Michael A. G. Haken. Dr. Haken serves as the chair and professor of church history at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he is on the core faculty of Heritage Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. He's also a Fellow of the Royal Historical Society in recognition of his contributions to historical scholarship. Join us now as we seek to see what God has done in the history of his people. So Dr. Hakin, you have a new book out, uh, Pro Nobis, Christ's Saving Work, Scripture Readings and Patristic Meditations for Easter Week. Can you tell us a little more about that?
1: Yes, the um, impetus uh, for the book came from one of my pastors at uh, West Highland Baptist Church, uh, Pastor Jamie Strickland, who asked me about um, uh, doing a Lent observance and whether or not I could give him some information regarding that. And in the conversation that ensued, I recalled that uh, 40 years ago, I had done a small little devotional um, at uh, Wycliffe College for Easter week uh, 1980. Um, it was um, fairly, uh, Basic uh, consisted of for each of the days of Easter week from uh, Easter Mon- uh, from uh, Monday before Good Friday all the way through to Easter Sunday, uh, two or three scriptures per day, and then two or three readings from various fathers. And uh, it was, as I say, pretty basic. It was a booklet, 10, 12 pages, uh, stapled. And so I indicated that. Um, I could probably draw something up that would serve as a devotional for Easter week this year. And so I got the uh, booklet retyped and um, began to go through it, mostly in terms of looking at the quotations I had used from the fathers. Now, this is in the days before the internet, and so I was relying upon my own reading of the fathers back then and also looking at um, what's known as the Catena Aurea, which is a um, book of quotations of the Fathers drawn up by Thomas Aquinas. And some of the, fa- some of the material wasn't as opposite as I would have liked. Um, also, I have come across other material uh, since then. So basically what I did was I did a, a complete revision. Uh, Not of the Biblical readings, they were retained, but of the patristic meditations. And added material from people like um, Hilary of Poitiers, The Letter to Diognetus, uh, Timothy of Baghdad, um, whom I've been reading recently. And uh, then also expanded the book uh, to include uh, Palm Sunday. I was intrigued that I hadn't included Palm Sunday in the original. And so now it's uh, we uh, not only uh, are publishing the, the readings from the patristic era, but also the, the, the biblical verses were all typed out. So we end up having a book of around 60 pages.
0: What is your goal for how this should be read?
1: Well, the goal is that one would read on the uh, respective day. So let's say Palm Sunday. Uh, There are two or three texts that relate to the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. And on that day, I've also included uh, a patristic reading from Theodulf of Orléans, All Glory, Lord and Honour, which is a very famous hymn that he drew up to sing on uh, Palm Sunday and reflects on on Palm Sunday's events, that is the entrance of Christ uh, as King. Uh, into Jerusalem, as predicted, for instance, in Zechariah. And uh, so the passages, the biblical passages, should be read, meditated on, and hopefully the patristic reading will bring out certain elements um, that need to be highlighted in the biblical passages. And so really it's just a tool for for one's uh, uh, personal devotions. You could use it in a group setting, I'm sure. But uh, personal devotions leading up to the events of good friday and easter sunday the resurrection
0: now you mentioned uh meditating uh, meditating upon can you explain a little more what biblical meditation is
1: yeah it uh it's an, really in some ways a lost art although there is that's um a commonplace statement now in the last probably 10 15 years uh i've noticed a number of people saying that this is something that needs to be retrieved or recovered. Uh, what I'm thinking of here is reflection upon the biblical text, um, reading it over carefully, prayerfully, slowly, almost uh, as you would do in terms of um, you know the whole process of rumination, um, not just racing through it, uh, not you know as you would uh, savor a good meal over a number of hours, uh, fine dining usually spreads a meal of about five, four or five courses over a number of hours. It's, it's uh, that as opposed to wolfing down um, you know, fast food in about 15, 20 minutes, if that. Um, and so meditation then is prolonged reflection upon the biblical text. It's controlled by the biblical text. It's asking questions. What does this tell me about who God is, what he has done? How does it apply to me? Uh, what should I do in response to to the knowledge I learned from a text like this, and then uh, turning all of that into prayer? Uh, maybe the text brings out things I need to repent of, uh, things I need to do. Um, so praying for forgiveness, praying for strength to genuinely repent, uh, praying for grace to to do what I I now see I should do. Um, meditation is not some sort of fanciful reflection. Um, on what other elements might be behind the text. Um, I know that there is a whole process in Ignatius of Antioch, sorry, Ignatius Loyola, um, who is a, the founder of kind of a Jesuit spiritual exercises where you kind of put yourself in the picture, so to speak. So, you know, if we were meditating upon the Palm Sunday, then, you know, pretend you're in the crowd, and uh, what do you see as Jesus enters? And what are you thinking? And what are you feeling as you hear the crowd yell, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, what, what do you feel when you hear those words? And how do you feel when you're, you're there? So it's really uh, a, a, um, a, an exercise in a best sanctified imagination. The problem with that sort of exercise is that it gets you away from the Biblical text uh, because you then get focused on your own subjectivity and your own um, reflection on what uh, might be happening in your thinking but that's not what the text necessarily uh, is focusing on. So um, the the mode of meditation that I would be recommending would be really kind of a Puritan model where you're thinking about the text, reflecting on the text, turning the text into prayer, turning the text into um, um, charging us, as it were, to do our duty, what is it telling us we should do, Um, etc.
0: You've entitled the book Pro Nobis, Christ's Saving Work. Would you be able to explain the meaning of pro nobis?
1: Yeah, pro nobis means it's Latin uh, for us. And uh, really is uh, emphasizing that the work that we see Christ doing in that final week, the entry into Jerusalem, running all the way through to his sufferings in Gethsemane, uh, in terms of wrestling in prayer, then his being seized in the garden, being brought before the high priest and before Pilate, uh, the sufferings that he goes through there, and the cross, his death, uh, the death. The not only the physical nature of his death, but more importantly, the spiritual implications of his death, um, his being buried, his being raised from the dead—all um, of this ultimately is for the sake of his people. For so it's for the for the sake of us who confess his name, and um, it's emphasizing that the work of Christ um, is. Uh, has as its target uh, God's people. Um, It obviously is a work in relation to the Father. uh, His death is a satisfaction of his anger, paying the penalty for our sins, but it's also an expression of God's love for us and desire to save us. And so, in that sense, it's pro nobis for us and for our sake.
0: Mead's podcast is in partnership with h and Publishing of a formed and Canadian publishing house seeking to spread the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through the publication of Church History, Biblical Spirituality, Christian Living, and Theology. Join us next time as we seek to see what God has done in the history of His people.